everybody. Welcome to Take the Stage, the Opera Podcast. Today, we are interviewing a singer who has been around the block a time or two. From the inner city projects of St. Louis to the great opera houses of the world, we bring you Barbara Hillmore, who has more experience teaching and singing than both of us have life experience. We hope you enjoy. Is everyone saying no to your singing career? Well, we here at Take the Stage Opera Podcast say toy, toy, toy. Find out what is holding you back so you can stop waiting in the wings and go out and get your standing ovation. There are no forbidden topics here, so get your ticket and find your seat. In Boca Lupo. This is Mariah Wilcox with Take the Stage, the Opera Podcast, and I am here with my friend Evan Dunn. How's it going? So great. Yeah, so <laughs> we both were a little bit tired this morning as we got up to do this interview. I didn't even have to get up because I never went to sleep last night. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that when I got up early with my kids and Mariah was like lounging in the living room and I'm like, this you doesn't dead, mom? happen. <laughs> you up real early? She's like, oh yeah, just still awake. I'm like, oh great. And then also we've just been doing a lot of work and we're trying to get our course ready to share with you all. We've oh my done, gosh. We've done four weeks of the six weeks. It has been so yeah. fun. It's been amazing. I have loved it. Yeah. And we are really excited to, to get that out to you guys as well. And also I'm getting more coaching business and we're just so excited for all the things that we're learning that we can share with you through podcasts, courses, social media, etc. Yes. So, yeah. Well, Evan, you should probably get used to being tired because baby done number three is also coming to town pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched... I had anxiety myself as I like listened to you and Hannah discuss what you needed to buy for the baby last night. I was like, I am glad I am not pregnant. But also, <laughs> we've caught Mariah on a few occasions saying, like, we, when we have this baby. And we're like, yep, Mariah. Mariah really is just like part of this family now. We're so excited about that. So. Uh, well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like or like it or not, I'm gonna be an an aunt very soon. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll keep you you all updated. We've been thinking of names. We'll keep them secret for now, but we'll let you know names. They're gonna name him Mariah. <laughs> <laughs> Mariah. Yeah. I have a friend named Mariah who spells it with an O. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It reminds me of like Moriarty. Oh my god! From Sherlock. It's it's um Mariah is like a biblical mountain. Yeah. 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 I love it. So yeah. So can we take a second before we introduce our guest today to just talk about how awesome Barbara is? Oh yeah. I am already looking at flights to go. Like, I know. Down and visit her. <laughs> I know. I saw you looking over at your phone. I'm like flights to Dallas. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. I She just, like, really, like, touched my heart today, and I just, like, want to be in her presence. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so let's go ahead and introduce Barbara Hillmore. 
We are here today with opera singer and voice teacher Barbara Hill Moore. We're going to try and introduce her, but she has been involved in so much that we will never be able to do her justice. But a few things that stood out to me in her bio is that she performed the role of Jenny, Pirate Jenny, in the Three Penny Opera in 50 performances in Berlin and Köln. And she has sung in opera houses throughout the world. She's taught master classes, like literally everywhere. (laughs) She also started the group Spiritual Voices in 1990, which performs Negro spirituals and African-American art song for audiences all over the world. So her bio is seriously more action-filled than my entire life story so far. (laughs) So we are just excited to bring her onto the podcast and share a tiny portion of her vast experience with you all. Welcome, Barbara. Well, thank you. I feel very welcome. And that was a glowing introduction. Thank you, Evan. (laughs) We tried to do you justice. (laughs) I think you did me great justice. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, good. One of my favorite shows is the Three Penny Opera. No, really? Yes, I got to do um, uh, Tiger Brown in the Three Penny Opera, and it was so fun. Oh, man. (laughs) Well, you know, the history of that writing, Brecht, Mm -hmm. and his relationship with Weill. Yes. And his relationship with American composers as well is, is... it's, it's legendary. Mm-hmm. And when I had the opportunity to do it, it was kind of a fluke-like because much of my, I would say almost all of my professional life has been by invitation. In other words, I never applied for anything. I didn't audition for anything. People heard me sing or they saw me teach or they heard my students and ask who their teacher was. And that's how I got to know almost every really important position I ever had. And and this um, opera opportunity came about when I was called to cover um, Wilhelmina Fernandez in the role of Bess. They were doing Porgy and Bess in Berlin and she was uh, one of the Besses. There were three, I think, and they were doing it every night sold out. Wow. People in Europe love American music and they especially love those standards. Yeah, yeah. She tripped and uh, hurt her foot or something. And the role involved a lot of running all over the place. And so she just couldn't do it. And they called me and said, could you go on, let's say today is Wednesday. And they would say, could you go on Friday? Oh my and, gosh. Uh, I, I thought, well, I've done more in a few days than that. So I guess I could. <laughs> I, you know, I never thought there was something I, I couldn't do if I just wanted to. So they asked me, the, this guy, this manager called me because I, at the time, was doing my own management, which wow. was also mind-blowing, if you can imagine. Yes. So, you know, he, 
he called me and he said, well, I know you've done it because I heard you do X, Y, and Z. And I said, well, interestingly, I've only done the role of Bess in concert. Well, oh, okay, sure. I am telling you that is seriously different than running all those <laughs> moves, running all of those recitatives and all of those dramatic parts. Well, so I just, I took that day off and I got my score, which is this big. And I, <laughs> I went through it and I thought, okay, I can do this. If they give me an orchestra rehearsal, I have to have that, and an onstage rehearsal, you know, just walking through the uh, blocking and so on, I could put it in my head. And so, you know, my accompanist kept saying, oh yeah, you, you got this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. Uh. <laughs> you got this girl. So, uh, yep, I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I put on my cassette player that mm -hmm. should take me real amazing well. and <laughs> I studied the whole way over on the flight so I thought okay I'm putting this in my head I got there that morning they said we'll give you a little time to sleep and then could we meet in the afternoon I did I met with the coach and then he said oh I love your this and I love your that but he wasn't hearing the recitatives as I said <laughs> so anyway <laughs> he was just hearing the big stuff you know mm -hmm. the arias and the duets and so on and this of course I could manage well <laughs> so the next day my first full day there uh, we had the stage work and I was anticipating the orchestra and everything and he's and the director who was the director of all of German theater that's how it works Kurt Friedrich said well no we can't afford to bring the orchestra here just for one rehearsal with you you know something really right not very nice and I said well then I can't afford to do this so you know Whatever. <laughs> I'm not doing this unless I get it. And then I got so angry and I'm totally angry. I just get tears. And uh, so I said to Donnie Ray Albert, maybe you've heard of him. He yes. A former student at SMU and uh, he's a very dear friend and he was instrumental in recommending me. I found out after I was there. Anyway, he was like, suck it up. You got this, you know, <laughs> just suck it up. Um, and uh, yeah, so I did suck it up enough to tell the director that I wasn't going to do it unless <laughs> I had an orchestra. And then in the meanwhile, the assistant director or the director for that particular theater heard my voice. After I refused and made this public refusal to the God himself, this <laughs> other guy, it came to me, Günther Kramer, who is world famous director and wonderful, won a lot of awards. He came to me and he said, I think I want you to be, be my spelunken journey, you know, and I'd be like, you're sure you're what? <laughs> <laughs> and he, then he explained and I said, okay. But then because he was asking me to do something I was refusing to do for the big lord and master, the guy wouldn't allow him to hire me. Ugh. So he fought him. And, and to this day, I am indebted to Gunther Kramer. He's a wonderful gentleman and he f frequently calls me and he emails me and says I was his favorite Jenny and butterboom. So we have a wonderful relationship and uh, 
I said all this to say, in my life, in my work, in my teaching and in my singing, it's always come about in some way like that, you know? I was in the right place, God put me there. I just followed those sort of bells in my head. I told myself mm -hmm. if I wanted to do it, I could do it. And then I just set about preparing myself, which is what I really do tell my students, you know, you have come here with the goods. God has given you a gift and somebody recognized it, encouraged you. And now you have to do your part. You have to say, I want it. And then you have to own it means you have to prepare your mind. You have to prepare your spirit. You have to get your mental health in order and your mm. physical yes, health yes. in order and then you have to go to work it isn't just going to be sprayed on you like voodoo dust or something mm -hmm. you've got to get in the practice room beat those rhythms and notes until they are second nature and sing them until they feel like your nose or your mouth or some part of your being and and then when you know you're ready, everybody else knows it too. They can't help but see it, you know? It's, it's something, there's something that radiates in confidence from preparation. Well, Barbara, we'd love to hear a little bit about how you like discovered opera and how you started in opera. What made you want to be an opera singer? Well, <laughs> well, let me see. I went to school wanting to be a teacher of singing. Okay. Because singing was my favorite thing to do. And it was what I was confident I was very good at. I never thought anybody like me coming from the inner city projects could hope for a career in opera. And was and that then, in St. Louis? Is that what I remember yes, hearing? I yeah, in, I was born in St. Louis. Ah. And then my um, choir teacher, choir director, took me to see a recital by Grace Bunbury. Mm -hmm. It was her return, her sort of uh, debut recital at home. She mm. lived less than a half mile from me. Uh, when, <laughs> and wow. so, you know, I didn't know all these things. So she went to the Hoity Toity High School of this city. She went to Sumner High School. And um, all the kids who went there, we just thought first they were rich and, you know, they had things. And well, anyway, yeah. she sang a recital. And I thought, well, I can do that. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> well, I did. I, I just, yeah. I heard her because I was remembering putting my classmates through the suffering of hearing me sing things like <laughs> Unbeldi and all of that in, in high school, <laughs> in high school, you know, when they had the big high school uh, gatherings in the auditorium, all the seniors, all the juniors, all the whole school, but a boom. And they, you know, when the choir didn't know enough to do two or three pieces, he would just stick me up there and I would just sing, whoa, you know. And now the <laughs> kids were going, oh man, you know. And, 
<laughs> what is that she's singing? And, you know, if you can suffer through that and get their attention, you can do anything. And so, yeah, so I started to think I could do that. And then I, I realized I would have to have a lesson or two. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I had never had any lessons and I, you know, I didn't know how I was going to get it because my parents couldn't afford it. There were six of us. I was the oldest. And what they couldn't mm. do for one, they didn't do for either. And so, you know, I just didn't know how I was going to do it. And then my husband was a soda jerk. I'm dating myself. He used, <laughs> <laughs> he used to work at the soda counter in the his area drugstore. And there was a man who came in there, um, Ken Billings, not Ken Billings, Phillips. And he um, was well known for giving lessons and inspiring singers. And he had taught um, Grace Bunbury first. Okay, okay. And so my husband said, would you listen to my girlfriend and give her a lesson? You know, he thought one lesson and I could go on to the Met. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so uh, you know, Phillips gave me a lesson. He liked me. I liked him. And he says, okay, I'm going to send a note to a former teacher and you need to apply to this school. And, and I did. And yeah, they, they liked me. But even when I got there, nobody said to me when I went into music education, getting a degree in science, not in art, you know, they would say, they wouldn't say, oh, you need to go into straight music or music performance or nobody said that. So I thought, okay, you're good enough to really teach people how to be better than you. And mm -hmm. so I set out just doing that with Grace's uh, inspiration. And I have to tell you, a, a more brief story about her. Um, the last 10 years I've done judging uh, international competitions in various places. And um, in 2006, I believe, I went to South Africa for the international competition they host through the UNESA Foundation, hmm. the University of South Africa Foundation. And they, the one of the principal judges in addition to me, was, was Grace Bummer. Wow. I thought I was going to die when she walked into the room and I said, girlfriend, <laughs> we are from the same city. I lived on Newberry Terrace. My husband lived on blah, blah, blah. And we, you know, we became yeah, friends. And wow. we talked about experiences and that guy who had inspired me, how he had inspired her and what she didn't know when she got started and who helped her on the rest of the way. And it was just a wonderful um, example of how close we are to people all over the world and, and how in, coincidentally things unimaginable can happen like that. I mean, who would have thought I'd ever meet her? Well, she lives in Germany, but then right. I started to sing in Germany. She could have come to some of my stuff, but as it happened, I was supposed to meet her in, in a South space Africa. that was very different for both of us. Yeah, yeah. Oh, That's just like so amazing.
It is amazing. They came full circle. And what an amazing singer she was. I, I was actually studying mm. her this last She's year. She got a Kennedy Award. I mean, you know, come <laughs> on. So I thought, I remember thinking, well, I can do that. Well, a girlfriend did it all the way to the top. You know, she mm -hmm. did. She was an incredible mate. So maybe one of a kind and she was the leanting price of mezzos mm. in my view because leanting price of course in my view is the she pinnacle. and callus are the yes. um they are the all-time divas that didn't have to work at being a diva they just were <laughs> you know when you have to call yourself one you probably aren't and, <laughs> you know and they they were they were adored for yeah. their artistry yes. for their mm -hmm. attention to every detail and you know again all of my work uh, in singing has come out of my love for teaching and wow. almost wow. every job singing has come from my teaching for people would say the soprano told me when this when I began I began as a mezzo the soprano told me you're a mezzo and you're her teacher and you're too young to be her teacher and I'm not like yeah, I'm not really. You just, you know, <laughs> we don't show all of our wrinkles. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, but I I would get opportunities like that. And then when I changed my fa, after my daughter was born, my voice changed. The And this is why I say to all of my students, their health is so important because during that time, we did not know the impact of artificial um, uh, birth control, mm -hmm. what that had on the bodies of young women um, and how permanent in fact it could be. Sure, yeah. So I do, uh, tell my girls what male hormones do when you're injecting them into your body with pills and so on. Uh, if you don't know, if you ever hope to have a family, things, those things affect your singing as well. So what had happened was they had kind of suppressed my upper voice. I could always sing and see, but I couldn't remain up there while I was taking birth control and the moment i stopped well my voice started to change and they just wow. kept going yeah <laughs> yeah and so now my my men are just they they sometimes get angry with me because <laughs> i demonstrate for them and i can sing below small c very well and and many of my baritones can't sing half as low as i can <laughs> this is disgusting and how do you do that and, you know but you tell them you can do it too. Just open your throat and you listen first. Mm. And you, I mean, you know, it'll happen. You, it's, it's. Um, you have to work at it. <laughs> it's not going to be sprinkled on you like voodoo dust. No, I love that. I'm going to remember that. <laughs> so, how has the opera world changed, and um, and what do you see for us moving forward? Well, the opera world has changed 
and then it's changed. It had changed prior to, let's say, 2019. Yeah, um, yeah. It had changed. It had changed because of technology. It had changed because of the uh, information that's available to us um, as singers and as well to directors and producers. Um, it Everything was brought, I think, closer, minimized in its complications, the audition process and the application process, the communication process of what now is expected. And then this doesn't even take into consideration the expectations of some directors that for example, singers have to remove their clothing on the stage and sure, sure. Uh, or to have minimal clothing or, or that singers are discriminated against because of their weight or their height or their hair or any other thing. Um, these things existed probably all along, but they came more to surface with mm. technology right. because you could see the picture of who's there and who isn't. Right. <laughs> oh, and you could, you could imagine when you hear one voice, which is clearly superior and you never hear it again, that that might have something to do with what the singer looks like. So there are all kinds of changes, just accessibility, for example, in the last year, um, companies have accepted applications and recordings. I've seen um, recordings of singers in their bedrooms, mm -hmm. on the, in their hallways, in their cars. It is the most touching thing. That's when you know somebody is totally determined and focused. Um, on doing and becoming whatever it is they're working on. Um, so it's to their advantage. If they can put a beautiful sound out on a recording in a car, they <laughs> can do, you know, there are a lot, of, a lot of things they can do that we wouldn't imagine. Um, and I think um, companies are looking for that. And they're also listening for something that isn't always what we're accustomed to hearing. I have a former student, John Holiday, whom you may or may not. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love John Holiday. I love him too. He's like <laughs> my son. And uh, yeah, he, you know, he started out as a sort of berry tenor, I called him. Really? And um, yes, but his. I didn't feel as he is extremely musical and sensitive and he would learn things, but I didn't feel his whole heart was there. So one day I said, just, I want you to sing something for me that you sing when you're in the practice room, just hanging out. So I heard John and he was singing something gospel, let's say from church when and he comes from a very religious family so i said just sing something for me that you would sing in the practice room and he sang uh, uh just a gospel tune i don't recall it but it was touching and it was in his soprano voice 
And I said, how did that feel? You know, I tried not to give away my eyes, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I was like, I was like, what what did that feel like when you did this or when you did that? And how do you feel about that part of your voice? Because that's a part of your voice too. And he would say, Oh, I love it, Prof. And then I I thought, well, then why aren't you singing it? And so I asked him why he wasn't using it. And he said, well, I, I've thought about it, but I've been afraid. And so we had this discussion about the perception of men singing in falsetto, the perception of men on the stage, period just mm -hmm. as I talked to my women about the, the perception of them. And I, you know, explained to him that he could not dilly-dally and just be all over the place. If you hope to have a career in singing in opera, you're going to have to focus on that. And said, so you, if you want to do this, let's go. And I told him I was proud of him. And I said, but you can't go back and forth, baby. You, mm -hmm. You have to decide, and right now is the rest of your life. You're going to have to tough up, own who you are and whose you are, and I'm with you. And I said that, and I've meant that ever since that day, and he knows that, my husband too. He's like our kid. So, mm. but all of my students are like my children. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes it, <laughs> yeah. You know, if you if you have children, you know what that's like. I mean, some <laughs> days you just want to kiss them over and over again. Other days you want to hit them. Just mm -hmm. as life. Yep. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, I almost all of the years I've known John and been close to him, I've wanted to embrace him. He's a beautiful spirit, a lovely human being, positive supportive and loving he's a beautiful person mm -hmm. and uh, he he's making beautiful yeah. music yeah he's doing I told things him he must make beautiful money and give it to the <laughs> foundation that i have which is supporting uh young people who don't have money to to support what is your foundation yeah, tell us about your foundation oh, please it's the foot memorial scholarship foundation i it's named after my former teacher bruce foot who also was my colleague he's probably the reason he and lloyd voucher the reason i came to smu cool yes yeah, so we will include information about um your foundation as well. Um, that's yeah. so exciting. Well, so it's people online. Can... Uh, Bruce Foote Memorial Scholarship Foundation, and I established it in Bruce's name to help young people who who are in graduate study and mm. and need financial assistance. Great. Yes. And it's how I have brought uh, 25 South African students wow. to SMU um, and paying their living and supporting their visa applications. And Students from everywhere, Peru, Germany, France, yeah, China, um, uh, Korea, yeah. That is amazing. Thank you, you are amazing. That. Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> well, you have time, you have to fill it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, yeah, so it's been, it's been fun working with the foundation because takes me all over the world and looking for young people who are serious about what they do, serious about singing and who are committed to studying 
singing yeah. because it isn't is as easy as it looks and it's not the same as getting up in your church and singing on sunday because anything is forgivable in church you know? right yeah you get up there and you know you miss the notes you forget the words people are just oh you know but that uh, that doesn't work in real life when people are paying <laughs> right? you yes. when people are paying you you gotta have it right <laughs> Yeah, you got to be on pitch and so on. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so, Barbara, every singer faces some sort of situation in their singing career where people tell them they don't measure up. You're not good enough for whatever reason. And I, I think every singer goes through something like that. Maybe it's technical or something about their being that people don't like or something about the way that they look or it could be their confidence, so many different things. We're wondering what that one thing was for you and how did you face it? How did you overcome it and um, your journey? I was thinking about one amazing opportunity. I got a letter inviting me to come and audition at the Met. And I mean, my students don't know this story. I, I went because they were pulling Porgy back after 15 years or something. And they wanted tried and true, you know, a cast. And I think, you know, they were thinking of me for one role and then they saw me and, and you know, they wanted to typecast you. And I sure. went sang the Aria Serena sings because I, that was my first opportunity in, a, in the opera. And I sang those and they were like, have you ever sung best? And I said, yeah, in concert, I've done it a lot. Um, and then I, they wanted me to sing parts of the duets and so on and summertime and I did. And before I left, they would ask me, I mean, I sang five or six songs that's unheard of. Normally they hear two songs right. like that. Thank you very much. You yeah. Know? And um, so when I finished, they were like, uh, can you stay outside for a little bit? And I did, my heart was racing. And they said, we, we've decided we want you to come back and sing. Um, so we want you to sing for her, uh, Beverly Sills. Uh. So, and she's not here. So they said, we'll write you, you know, because that's what people were doing, writing and letting <laughs> it take forever. And so we'll write you. And they did write me. And I um, and they asked if I would come back and audition for Beverly Sills. Wow. And, um, you know, this is really almost stupid to admit, but it was over a weekend where I had two graduate recitals and I just mm -hmm. couldn't do it. So I didn't go, you know, I, I wrote them and thanked them for the opportunity. And um, I just thought if it were meant for me, it would happen again. And I just didn't, I didn't go. I, I just didn't. I, I've always said I am a teacher who sings. I had a lot of amazing opportunities to sing that I didn't anticipate. And sometimes I feel I even didn't earn, I just, happened to be singing well and people would call me. I, I, and there were many people out there just beating the audition lines and doing that work. And 
I just didn't do it. I wanted, I did that in my teaching. I sacrificed a lot for my teaching. My only child frequently said, because she's an only child and sometimes a little selfish, <laughs> she would say, mother, you love your students more than me. And she would say that because she couldn't just come up and demand my time all the time, anytime she wanted. And that's what all children do of their parents. <laughs> but she knew I was dedicated to what I was doing. And I had always been, since my childhood, my mother said, when I was six or seven years old, I said I wanted to teach. I never said anything else first. I wanted to teach first. And I, I enjoyed my singing. I loved it, but I wanted to teach first. And I'm fortunate that God provided me opportunities to do both as much as I wanted to do both. And now that I'm working in administration, I hope I can inspire my young colleagues to follow their passions as well. Not what people decide you should do mm -hmm. or have to do to right. get this, that, or the other, but what absolutely wakes you up in the morning and makes you feel good about you. You wanna teach fine, you wanna paint, you wanna create something, whatever it is, go at that. And I think when you do, doors open for you. I just am convinced of it. Yeah, so often we hold ourselves back or just we try do. to live the life that we think everyone expects of us or trying or, to do things that right. that others say. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes other people tell you, oh, well, you should probably do so and so because your, let's say, voice in this case is not big enough to do blah, blah, and blah. But some of the smallest voices I ever heard in my life, Kathleen Battles, for example, was not a big voice, but it was a beautiful voice. And the serious thing about her is that she studied every detail. And like it or not, she made all those around her do the same. And sometimes people don't, people don't like that. They don't enjoy correction. So do your own homework, then you won't have to be, <laughs> you know, so just do your own, own preparation and you'd be surprised how many barriers that moves. Yeah. So I, I enjoy what I'm doing. I always say I enjoy most what I'm doing in the moment. And that's true of what's my favorite role and What's my favorite student? <laughs> all of that. I, you know, I love all of my students, those who have careers in singing and those who don't, because I don't only love them because they can sing. I love them for their spirits and their willingness to learn, their openness. You know? I, I just love them for being people. Oh, and I'm sure they love and you. Well, maybe some days <laughs> when I have to tell them, no, go home, do your work, do your game ready, or don't come back. <laughs> and then, you know, then they hate me until they do what they have to do. We all, we all feel that way. <laughs> you know, when we're, when we're put on the spot, we think, ugh, if I don't ever see that person, it's okay. And then when you get your work done, when you do what you know you can do, and it's well done, 
when you have a pride and you can just go back and say, no, nah, well, how'd you like them apples? <laughs> yeah. Um. How, how'd you like that? <laughs> And one last question that we ask all of our guests. Do you have a role that you have never done that you wish that you could do? You've done so many, I'm uh, sure. Now that there's so many beautiful new authors, mm. I just, especially in English, I think maybe I'd, I'd like if there were ever a possibility of singing something in my own language by a living composer of color, it would just mean more to me. Absolutely. We'll send that I, out to I the universe. I'm sure we can find somebody. Send it right on out there. <laughs> yes, yes. Send it right on out there, and I will give them my uh, octave below uh, small c. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just get on down there. <laughs> Because nobody wants to hear an aged soprano on top, so I, I'm I'm clearly ready for the bottom, and and they would be shocked. Oh, I love and, it. <laughs> so why not? What an amazing privilege and honor it has been to be speaking with you today, to meet you today, Barbara. We're so grateful. It's been fun for me. Yay. I hadn't thought of some of this old stuff in a long time. <laughs> That stuff with the med and all of that, I hadn't thought of that in years. But, you know, I'm, I don't regret any part of my life. I, I feel my life has been blessed. My life has been blessed with my life partner, my husband of 55 years. And my baby, my only girl and her girls. My I have two beautiful granddaughters, 10, Corinne is 10, and Camille is seven. And mm, they they remind me every time I see them of their mom and of their beautiful father as well. He's a wonderful man. And so my family is blessed. I'm blessed. My work is blessed. My students are blessed, I think. And I just, I don't bug God, you know? I just let him do whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think my life is good. Thank you, God. I can't complain. Good, good, good. Thank you yeah. so much for sharing everything that you did with us today. And for all of our friends who are listening today, remember that you are powerful, creative, and capable. You can solve any problem you are facing. Take care of your voice and stop waiting in the wings. The world needs your art, so go out and take the stage. Invoca Lupo! Thank you for listening to another episode of Take the Stage Opera Podcast. We love hearing from you, so please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and give us a review. It helps us to continue delivering quality material. 